Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Ah, drink it in. An absolute circus of a midnight matinee in Denver ends with the U.S. defeating Mexico 3-2. to Only the second time we've defeated Mexico in a final, and the first time we've defeated them in a competitive match since 2013. That's eight years, guys. Obviously, this was the biggest win of the Scuff podcast era. Feels good. And wow, what an entertaining match. How you doing, Greg? I am, I am doing well. I am barely recovered. Barely recovered. I, I mean, we were. I was scrambling to to get, make myself uh, presentable, if you will, for for what we're about to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a late night. Uh, everybody, every U.S. men's national team fan is tired this morning, this afternoon. But man, man, it was so so fun to watch that game. Let's just go right. Let's get right <laughs> no, into it. No time, right? That was. I mean, everyone everyone who knows or is expecting a Bell's chronology here knows that. Uh, They've got a they they can get a lot of things done on their to do list while they're listening to this episode. Yeah, make sure you have a lot of dirty dishes and some really long grass to mow. You know, whatever you got to do. So the lineups were Mexico came out in a four three three, sort of their standard four three three under Tata Martino, Memo Ochoa in the goal, Shaka uh, Rodriguez, Nestor Araujo, Hector Moreno, and Jesus Gallardo across the back line. Edson Alvarez as the six, and then Charlie Rodriguez and Hector Herrera as the eights. And then uh, from left to right, Tecatito, Irving Lozano, and uh, Antuna across the front line. And Lozano was, so Lozano was the nine, which is not usually his role, but he was kind of, he was free flowing. He was everywhere. Uh, I mean, a little, a little surprised not to have Guardado in there just because I feel like for that kind of a game, uh, you know, this bitter rivalry. Uh, I thought maybe they'd lean on him and his, you know, his wiliness. I mean, yeah. he's obviously, obviously he's also a very good player. Yeah. Yeah. I even tweeted before the game, like, uh, watch the battle between Acosta and McKenney and Herrera and Guardado. And then the, the Mexico lineup came out and Guardado wasn't even in the lineup. So boy, did I feel silly. <laughs> Cutting your legs off immediately. And then um, the USA had Stefan in goal. And then we had a three-man back line, Mark McKenzie, John Brooks, Tim Ream. This was rumored earlier in the week, and it came true. And then we had Yedlin starting at right wing back, Dest at left wing back, and then a two-man midfield of McKenney and Acosta, and then Reyna, Sargent, and Pulisic across the front line. No surprises on the front line, but I was a little surprised by Yedlin being in the starting lineup and the three-man back line. I didn't really believe it until I saw it. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get pedantic already, if, if I may. Uh, Please do. Please do. <laughs> so I don't. I, as soon as we saw the lineup, everyone was like, "Oh, he's doing the three man back line with wing backs." Uh, but I don't think it really played out like that, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But uh, I think it, the form it ended up taking was basically the a similar four three three, not or a slightly dissimilar four three three to what we're used to seeing um, in this sort of new era of Burhalter ball. But it looked more or less like Tim Ream was playing left back. Yedlin was playing right back, and Dest was playing as sort of a, uh, like a right midfielder, left midfielder. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, left yeah, midfielder yeah. with uh, with Acosta playing as sort of the center midfielder, and then uh, McKenny as as a man on the right side in our in defense when we were defending when we would attack. 
Dest went into his normal spot, which was up high on the left sideline with pool six sort of in the half space. And would you say in, in attack, Yedlin was staying further back than Dest? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit farther than Dest, but not really. No, he still did. He still had the same role. Um, so I, it wasn't, it wasn't too much of a, of a difference there. Like Reem was flaring out wide to the left sideline. Yedlin was flaring out wide to the right sideline. Uh, just like they kind of are in our four, three, three as the left back, right back. Okay. So, it, so in your mind, it was, it really was more of a four, three, three or whatever, not so much a three man back line, just still, uh, still had Reem on an Island out wide left. Yeah. That's whatever how you I call thought it. it. That's how I thought it looked, and and that was the immediate concern. Even before that, just knowing that Reem and Brooks were going to sort of be trying to hold down uh, Tecatito and and whoever they threw at him. So it was it was a concern, and I think it it never got uh, unconcerning throughout the match. <laughs> yeah, and I would say like, I mean, we can get into this more later, but tactics and system, in my mind just sort of all went out the window. We could debate about what point in the game that happened, but there were big portions of even the first half where it was just pinball, trying to like win the ball and jump into the attack. And it was just like a ton of battles in the middle of the field for loose balls. I, I did my rewatch on this too. And, uh, and I was actually surprised at how, at actually how sort of, uh, much Mexico did control things. Um, at least, or looked comfortable on the ball. They didn't create a lot from it um, over the course of the entire game. It's not like they didn't create anything, but it's not like they were like constantly peppering us with chance after chance after chance. But I, I thought it was going to look more like uh, scrappy, and for the most part, Mexico actually looked pretty comfortable, even against uh, you know when we'd occasionally get a little more energetic in our press. Um, it started to remind me a little bit of the 2019 Gold Cup final. Uh, which is why I really want to do this and, and literally break down and group all of the U.S.'s possessions and then group all of Mexico's possessions because Mexico had a lot of extended possessions where they knocked the ball around for 25, 30 seconds, um, and then it would break down in the attacking third. And the U.S. had almost none of those. Like, we yeah. we we like rarely strung passes together, and it wasn't necessarily because we weren't trying to. Like, we weren't just like, oh, well, we'll just play direct. Like, we were just... uh. We, we never really gained a rhythm in our possession game for the entire game. Like there was no point. Uh, sometimes like the goals make easy narrative, like turning points when you're telling the story. But even after the first goal, it's not like, Oh, that settled us down. And now we, you know, started to build things. It was not that that was not the case at all. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking of it more from the U S perspective when I say it, it was scrappy because yeah, we never did. We never did get a rhythm. And I, you know, on first watch and even on second watch, I've, I put a lot of the blame on that on, uh, you know, some of our, some of the players we rate most highly, like uh, Pulisic and Dest and even McKenny, McKenny, who I think grew into the game, was, was a little messy in the first half. And we, so we, like, in my mind, we had chances to, we would, we would get through that first line of Mexico's press. And, and I didn't think Mexico was pressing as vigorously as they have pressed us in the past either. But there was, you know, we get through that first line of Mexican defenders, Mexican attackers, really. And then, you know, somebody would have the ball at their feet driving into the, into the other half. And then we would just like give it away. We'd just be sloppy like over and over again. I'm not saying we did that 
at will, but when we did do it, we didn't capitalize um, in the first half very often. Yeah, and, and I'll even say, I think it's important that you said when we they drive through past the half, because that's about where it would break down. It wasn't even in the attacking third. We never even quite managed to breach the attacking third, or very rarely even breached the attacking third uh, with control of the ball. It was super uncommon, whereas Mexico could get into the attacking third could even get in the box uh, sometimes, but never really create an opening. So in that sense, again, very similar to the 2019 Gold Cup final, where we did a very good job defensively of bending but never breaking, and that's mm-hmm. that's pretty close to what we did in this game. The breaks were very you know very obvious uh, individual mistakes, at least in, at least in the first goal. And I can't help but think like the bending would have turned into a lot more breaking if Diego Linez had been on the field in the first half instead of Uriel Antuna. I mean, that is just such a massive upgrade from Antuna to, uh, to Linez. And of course we did see Linez have a huge impact on the game when he did come on, but Antuna was getting some joy up that right flank. Uh, I mean, Tecatito obviously was too on the left side, but not quite as much as Antuna and Antuna just couldn't really like, he couldn't really make anything of it, you know? That's, that's what I'd say, too, is that's where it got sloppy for Mexico. And even, like, uh, I might, I'll just say, before we even get to the timeline, some of their decisions, like, were very relieving to me as I was watching it because it would be on Tuna running at Tim Ream, uh, and he would almost, like, hold up and not just try to blow past him, or, or he'd be by Ream, and now Brooks was going over to cover, and on Tuna would release the ball instead of just trying to pants Brooks. And I'm just like, oh, thank God he passed it, even if it was a slightly dangerous situation at least he was passing it into an area where guys would be able to make plays. Whereas we've seen Brooks and Ream in those ISO situations are, are very unlikely to actually come out on top. Um, and, and I don't, again, I'm not even faulting those guys for it. Like you can't, you can't ask your, that can't be a staple of your defensive game plan is to be like, Oh, well, we'll just have Ream defend on an Island successfully for, for 80 minutes. Right. And I thought, you know, Mexico, Mexico's midfield uh I mean Alvarez had a had a good game he's like a he's a really impressive to me at least destroyer and like just responsible kind of what we want Tyler Adams to be for the national team um and I thought Hector Herrera was fantastic for Mexico in this game he's so good he's good at everything he wins the cage matches and then he he finds a he he does something clever with the ball and then he finds a pass and um but I did not think Charlie Rodriguez was on that level, who was who was the guy who started over Guardado. Um, I just thought he was more timid and not quite as didn't have quite as much influence as the other two, and that helped us too. I mean, there was one time one time where where Rodriguez took the ball off of McKenzie's foot or like intercepted one of McKenzie's foot and drove past him, and he could have like dribbled in behind him and instead stopped and played a square pass and that would be one of those that was a moment where i was relieved at that decision um so and and let me just also say because we're kind of already discussing this very like coldly on play-by-play just pruders and and (laughs) the the main thing here is the celebration like this is a yeah we're talking about it now after after 12 hours of just like mental adrenaline celebration it was such a uh a ride yeah yeah, it was. And I, you know, I will I want to echo something Taylor Rockwell said on the Total Soccer Show a couple of days ago, a few days ago. He said, you know, you can you can sneer at the Nations League if you so choose. 
it's like a made up tournament that's brand new. This is the first time anybody's ever won a trophy. But these games, and we didn't talk about this when we talked about the Honduras match. I don't think we talked about it very much. These games are perfect proxies for World Cup qualifiers. Um, they are exactly the kind of games that this young team of very talented players that hasn't played together much needs to be in. And, um, you know, if you're Greg Berhalter, we'll get into Berhalter good, Berhalter bad stuff here in a few moments. But if you're Berhalter, you got to be thrilled. And I personally am thrilled with the way this team uh, fought and came back from two deficits, came back from a, giving up a goal in the first motherfricking minute. And um, and then it's you know it's punctuated with Pulisic going top bins on a penalty. A guy who I thought was like up to now was pretty bad at hitting penalties. And and then Ethan Horvath, a guy who's gotten no respect, almost no respect from from me over the last three years, just being an absolute hero off the bench for Zach Steffen, and then saving Guardado's penalty. Not a great penalty from Guardado, but still that's a that's a heck of a moment. And um. Boy, it was just pure entertainment, great television, all kinds of stuff happened in this game. <laughs> right, and it's amazing. And, and the whole idea of the Nations League being a joke can be true, but also what's also true is, you know, I don't care about the trophy and what it's going to look like in our trophy case, but the, what, the, what matters for us sort of watching and, and trying to figure out what it all means is that we brought the very best players we could bring. Mexico brought the best team that they thought they could bring. Those were their you know first choices. Whether, they, whether we all got them right is, a, is another question both teams were trying to win that game. There were no compromises of like, this is going to be an experiment or, you know, whatever else. Uh, the experiment was how do we maximize our chances to win this trophy? Uh, and everyone was playing that out at full speed, full intensity. Uh, and, and it was riding a motorcycle off of a helicopter. <laughs> it was, it was what a relief. I mean, relief maybe isn't the right word, but what a jolt to see uh, the U S play in a game, the U S men play in a game with that level of intensity after so many non-intense games. And we've talked about that, you know, like against Uruguay back in 2019, it was like a, a pretty sleepy affair. Even the friendly against Switzerland wasn't all that intense. But man, this was, I would say, probably the most intense game some of these guys have played in, even though they play for big clubs in Europe. Um, because a lot of those big games for in Europe have happened in front of empty stadiums and they're not they're not like this national rivalry. Um Right, so. McKen- McKenney's played in a ton of pressure-filled games, obviously, uh, last season for Juventus. But I don't remember any times that McKenney has been in a dust-up with 15 other guys, and he's you know having his throat grabbed until you go back to the last U.S.-Mexico competitive game. Right, it's very it's singular. It's its own category of game for the U.S. I think for for most of these players, and you know as as intense as those games in Juventus and uh, Gelsenkirchen and Torino and Gelsenkirchen can be, you're never getting like you know, full bottles of Mountain Dew thrown at your head. So should we get into the timeline? Are you ready for that? Let's go full chronology here. All right. An an extra 30 minutes of chronology, probably an extra 50 minutes of chronology when the whole thing's all said and done. Yeah, the game went for 144 minutes. I thought I saw that stat. So, you know, well over one and a half games of the football. First minute... Thought we came out with good energy, but a lack of precision, and we paid for it immediately. Acosta gave it away, and then it fell to Hector Herrera, who will come up a lot in this chronology, who uh, beats Reyna and sprays it wide to Tecatito. Tecatito beats Yedlin and then McKenzie, 
no, I'm sorry, Yedlin and then McKenney. And then Yedlin recovers and taps it back to McKenzie. And McKenzie tries to square it wide for McKenney as Tecatito is on rushing. Tecatito reads it, intercepts it, drives at the goal and smashes it right over Stefan's head for a 1-0 lead inside one minute. And uh, I almost had to quit using Twitter at that point. It was so it was so dark on the timeline. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, it, and here's some here's some fun some fun context on my end. Uh, th- just the way I was watching the gaming and experiencing it, I had family in town, and so they got they got like to my place around seven thirty or eight, uh, and so I had like family obligation visiting time, which I was happy to do. I haven't seen you know family in a long time, but mm-hmm. I was doing that for like three hours, and then I had to jump in later, so I had blacked out everything. You know, even my phone was. I'd put my phone in like the in the aquarium. And I just like didn't watch any, didn't check anything, got on and watched the game. So disciplined. Later, so didn't experience so any Greg. of that sort of. <laughs> so yeah, so I didn't ex- I didn't experience any of that sort of roller coaster, and almost and had a hard time actually going back to check it because you can't go so far back in the timeline because it was such a crowded uh, social oh, yeah. media event. So much volume, you can't. It's impossible to go back. But I can, only, yeah. I can only imagine, I can only imagine, you know, coming into this game off of what we sort of all felt was like a underwhelming Honduras win. It's a win, but it felt a little underwhelming. And then to be like, okay, well, now it's the real, real, real test, you know, and to, to have the, the first question go that way, uh, I, I can only imagine the, the mental shambles. And I, I, I haven't seen the official st- stats on attendance or anything, but... Uh, I saw Max Bredos, who was at the stadium, say it was, you know, there's 60,000 people there. This is a this is a full house in Denver of, like, mostly Mexico fans. So this is, like, this is, like, an away qualifier in the Azteca, minus the the mystique, you know, and 30,000 people. <laughs> do we, I imagine... Do we, need to break, do we need to break the play down at all? Like, everyone saw what happened. It's very obvious what the mistake was. We're usually not, like, usually when we're breaking goals down... We're assigning blame by percentages, but here, here we can feel pretty good about. Uh, yeah, this isn't a plurality. There's a McKenzie's going to get the majority of the votes here. Yeah, ninety five percent of the blame. I mean, he he. We're usually fans of languidness. We like players who are languid, but he was too languid here. Um, I if we want to give if you want to give five percent of the blame to somebody else, maybe McKenny for not for not uh, getting wide enough for him. No, I'm giving it to Acosta. I'm giving the four, the three percent to Acosta on the turnover to okay. start this game out. Because it was because so, Acosta's that was a really poor touch from Acosta, a player I thought had a really good game overall, but that was uh, his first his first involvement was not positive. All right, fourth minute, McKenney wins a little battle on the sideline and zips a hopeful ball up the line for Sergeant McKenzie. I'm sorry, I can't I I, I cannot keep. Mixing those two up. McKenzie wins a little battle on the sideline and zips a hopeful ball up the line for Sargent. This is pretty soon after the goal. Hector Moreno mishandles it, and Sargent is in on goal, just like that, coming at the goal from a, a little bit of a poor angle, and he gets a shot off with Edson Alvarez bearing down on him, kind of falls down, and hits it right at the keeper. Didn't look to me like he had any other options but shooting. Yeah, um, it didn't look like that, and it never really looked like it was going to score just from the way he was sort of being little brothered by the by the time he was taking the shot. Yep. I would say, you know, one of the problems, and I don't know if this is coaching or tactics or the the, the way these players play, but I I clocked like three moments of really poor off ball movement 
as we're trying to build into Mexico's half in the first, you know, 15 minutes or so. And one is Pulisic uh, as McKinney drives forward. McKinney's driving forward on the on the right wing at about the in the six minute five forty mark or so. Uh, and Pulisic wants the ball at his feet. He's facing McKinney, and then McKinney doesn't give it to him at his feet, and Pulisic just kind of like jogs along. You know, it doesn't. If 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 Pulisic makes a hard run in the channel there, McKinney slips him in, and Pulisic doesn't do it. And I thought, I don't like that. You know, I like off ball movement, so. I love it, Bells, because I had this. I have a couple of these instances marked as McKenny missing Pulisic. Oh, really? <laughs> so we're just seeing two different things. Because I love giving the ball to a Pulisic type player while the back line's retreating and letting him just turn and be the guy who starts driving. So it's essentially just like McKenny hand this ball off to Christian Pulisic, who thrives. I mean, he is elite in the world in this situation. Give him the ball here. You run past him to add another player and let him Pulisic his way. Through through the traffic because it wasn't he wasn't looking at a holding mid and and I think that there's a clear distinction there he would have been looking at two center backs you know retreating uh, and that's I think a massive opportunity that's a great way to initiate an attack and you want to do that as often as possible in my mind so I had it as uh, McKenny having a little bit of tunnel vision and missing him just slightly off to McKenny's left and it happened a couple of times I think in, you probably clocked it a couple of times the other way where Pulisic didn't wasn't aggressive enough. But I'd wanted McKenney to just dish it over to Pulisic and continue, uh, continue going. Interesting. I, I mean, I guess I can see that that the percentages are in favor of that of giving it to Pulisic and letting him turn and run at the center backs. But I mean, McKenney is not bad at driving into the box. And in the one that I clocked, if Pulisic just—I mean, we're getting way de- too detailed here. <laughs> but if the one that I clocked, if Pulisic, you know, if Pulisic makes that hard run at the ch- in the channel, he. McKinney will slip it to him. I mean, that is like that's that's a vintage McKinney type of moment, and and then Pulisic has one center back to beat, and he's coming at the goal from a forty five degree angle. But let's not beat that dead horse. <laughs> I, it, I is, just, it, it's it is interesting, interesting that we both had it. Yeah, yeah. we'll uh, we'll post some some clips of that and let the listeners decide. Yeah, maybe maybe we will. <laughs> uh, eighth minute, Yedlin probably should have gotten a yellow for stomping on Tecatito. I he didn't. Um, I noticed Des' off-ball movement sucked when Pulisic tried to head it to him on the sideline, and uh, I noticed another of these from Des when Acosta's trying to play out of the press. He's just a little too static, and I'm not sure if he didn't understand his role or what was going on there. It, it's tough, and that's that could be uh, something we kind of asked some questions of Burhalter about. Like He put a lot of guys in brand-new uh, roles. We've been... We've been running roughly the same shape and principles uh, for the last year now. And, you know, this this almost had a bit of a Klinsman uh, feel to it to just be like, okay, huge, massively important game against, uh, you know, one of the regional powers. Let's change everything and throw everything new at them right away. Or, or you know, I mean, the day before. So that's kind of what it felt like. Okay, now Dest is suddenly playing this, like, uh, winger with Tim Ream behind him. And things are going to be a little bit different for him. Yeah, and he might, he seems to have been a little frustrated by by the night, I think it's fair to say. I'm not going to make a big meal out of that. I know you hate <laughs> that kind of stuff, but I do. But I, do, I don't think it's out, out of line to say that Dest was frustrated when he came off. Um, anyway, 
tenth. And Destin, Destin started. Uh, that started all three games so far in this window, and he went ninety against Switzerland. He went ninety against Honduras, uh, and we're asking a lot of him to run up and down the sideline. Not that he, the Switzerland running was necessarily at full speed for him, but he was <laughs> he was covering a lot of ground. Um, and there's the the a little bit of a uh, side note on Dest is that he, it, it was reported that he kind of was getting through the last month or so of the La Liga season playing through injury. Um, so he could just be, he could just be at the end of a long spell of minutes and just needs his body might just need body and mind might just need a little bit of a break. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's how I'm going to think about it because he wasn't, he was not effective on the night. He was, he gave the ball away a lot. Um, but I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be fine come world cup qualifiers in the fall. 10th minute uh Brooks yellow card I think for disrespecting the ref I I is that what it was I couldn't tell if it was that or if it was for clattering a guy from behind it could have it, I mean you could have gotten a yellow for hitting the guy in the back the way he did like a I don't remember which attacker it was but it was basically posting him up and he met the guy's back at the same time the ball uh was being collected um a ref might give a yellow there to try to settle the game down well it seems it's, Seemed it seemed like a poor omen down one zero with our our uh, our best center back on a yellow after ten minutes, but Brooks Brooks held it together and he didn't uh, he didn't get another yellow for the rest of the game and played quite well. Nineteenth minute, Dest beats two guys up the line and then puts Alvarez on skates. Kind of a nice moment for Dest, the, the really the nicest moment of the game for him. Uh, started a little spell of pressure from the U.S. for the first time, but he. After he puts Alvarez on skates, he tries to find a ball across and can't. You know, it doesn't just kind of hits it. I think he was trying to hit Pulisic arriving in the box, maybe, but it was it was too hot for him and, and Pulisic couldn't get there on time in time. Best part about this for me was that it showcased just what like we can do on pure talent because this wasn't like a tactic situation. It was Dest and Pulisic pinned on the sideline in our own half against four Mexico players, uh, and. They just comfortably like play their way around them with just a little like one two, and then Dest with just the slightest bit of misdirection gets past, gets the edge on two different Mexico defenders, and now is racing at two more retreating ones. So, so with no you know tactical disorganization or anything that we achieved, we got Dest running into the box with the soccer ball. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good moment, and we got a like I said, we had a little pressure over the next you know minute or so. Pulisic had a shot blocked. Acosta had a shot from outside of the box blocked. I think that's it for the first 20 minutes. I also want to note that despite his guilt for the goal and some other moments of shakiness that you know got a lot of attention, Mark McKenzie did make some nice plays in that first half. Uh, and I want I want to spotlight one in particular. I can't remember the time, the exact timestamp, but it was a he stepped to the ball and then played a lovely outside of the boot pass to Sargent's feet through. I mean, through like three defenders and Sergeant kind of wasted the chance or wasted the opportunity a little bit, but you get to see a little flash of like what McKenzie is capable of in that and a, and a couple other moments and a pass in the final third around the 20th minute. Um, so just, I, I wasn't happy with the way McKenzie gave up that first goal and a couple of other things he did. Th- that was a problem and that needs to be corrected, but Let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater, as they say. Right, and he had he had two solid games leading up to this. So, uh, so yeah, it was nice to see him have some bright spots where he's not gonna he, he can he can have some yep. good good clips in the video session. Twenty fourth minute, 
Mexico's second goal, we thought it was going to be Mexico's second goal, called back by VAR. They go, they go route one from the back. And this is, a, this is a thing that Mexico did not mind doing at all in this game is just hitting it long for somebody's head in, uh, next to a center back. Uh, they go route one to Hector Herrera, and he lays it off for Lozano, who springs Antuna wide. And Antuna plays a cross that kind of is to nobody, and Yedlin clears it for a corner. On the ensuing corner, it's a short one. Herrera gets the return pass from Lozano and whips a ball at the back post for Hector Moreno, who is unmarked. And he heads it in. I would say McKenny, Ream, and Acosta were free and could have picked him up, but none of them did. It was 2-0. But wait! Moreno was offside by a couple inches. The video shows. Thank heaven for video technology. Yeah, it looked like to me. It looked like Acosta's man who who he just kind of lost. And and sometimes you could say, well, if the guy, if you lose the guy to the goal side of you, then you just have to assume he's beyond your your line, so you have to let him go. But I don't know that we were that uh, like playing with that level of discipline, or if it was just inattention. Uh, McKenney ended up the closest guy to him, but it was because he he peeled off his guy, I think, to try to make any last ditch play on it, and and would just couldn't get there in time. I hate to disagree with you. I almost never do, but. Uh... But I watched this very closely, and Acosta was marking a different player. I, I don't remember who it was, who came further forward, like further tor- forward toward the ball, and nobody was okay. really marking uh, Moreno. Nobody was marking him to begin with, and nobody was marking him at the end. Uh, Reem peeled off to go closer to you know closer to the ball as it was hit. And McKenney sort of like leaned towards the back post because there was somebody he thought he, there was somebody there to to mark that it turned out there wasn't and it was Marino was just on mark. So we got it. We just got to be more disciplined there. And it was, he was, he was offside by literally two inches, three inches, something like that. Or Stefan just comes and collects it with his hands. He's allowed to use his <laughs> Is hands. that, you think He's it was close tall. enough that that was, that would have been a easy for Stefan to collect? Not, not easy, but doable at least. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I suppose, get in trouble with, with like the Stefan enthusiasts, but I, I feel like maybe they're gonna be some, some folks fleeing that camp a little bit. Um, I think Stefan is like excellent at towing the line of not doing the things that, uh, would, would be considered very good, uh, execution. So it's like he's, he's always doing, like, not doing the things where, like, ah, oh, it would have been a good, it would have been a, uh, a, a good collection if he'd come and got it, but they don't always come and get it. He just always seems to be on the wrong side of those over and over again. <sighs> and then sometimes way on the wrongs. Maybe maybe he's a little maybe he's a little gun shy after yeah. the Honduras incident. There's gonna be a goal, goalkeeper controversy now, I I think at least among the fan base, because uh Horvath gave us a lot to think about. Twenty seventh minute. The US almost immediately after this whole VAR uh episode over the, the callback Moreno goal. We get a goal. It's a rain of goal on a rebound off a McKenny header on a corner. We get the corner from a long throw. So this is what we call disorganizing the opponent with the ball. McKenny just McKenny just hurls it down the line for Sargent, who runs onto it and tries to cut it back. It's cut out for a corner relatively easily. On the ensuing corner, Pulisic hits a good ball into the mixer, and McKenny rises and just thrashes it off the far post. Karam's, Karam's directly back into the face of goal, so it's just like a perfect ding ding right back and uh and it goes right to reina who calmly side foots it past Ochoa. one one what a turn of events 
Huge turn of events, and honestly, I think that is like the biggest first half uh, contribution that you can credit to Greg Berhalter because he has made a point of emphasizing throw-ins and taking them quickly. Uh, there's the great video of him collecting a ball that skips to him out of bounds, and like in one <laughs> semi-disjointed motion, you know, getting it back to the thrower uh, that we all love, and it's great. But I mean, that's not so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's for a purpose. Like there's a there's a you know they've done they've got the data on throw-ins taken quickly and McKenney obviously his throw-in is a weapon. Uh, he put that ball forty yards down the sideline um, in space beyond Sargent. I don't think anyone was expecting it. Um, so yeah, so that that's that's an intentional thing. That's, that wasn't an accident. Uh, but also you're not going to build your entire offense around those opportunities to get in behind. But it is it's a it's good it's good that we have a weapon like that and that. As it turned out in this game, our our set piece attacking was like I felt like we were going to score a goal every time we got a corner kick. You know, it was uh, it was remarkable, and it was always off. It was always from McKenny's head. Um, thirty fourth minute, another bad giveaway from McKenzie, uh, but Charlie Rodriguez kind of wasted. I mentioned this earlier. I won't, I won't go into detail. This is a, a sort of a. a it would have been easy in the narrative of this game to be like that goal, you know, they Mexico had their goal disallowed. We come right back and score one. This is the turning point. Everything, you know, we started to really get back into the game. Uh, And I was kind of expecting to see that on rewatch, but this is where I want to say it was definitely not that at all. Like we scored that goal and I know you got, went to the 34th minute, but within seconds after the kickoff, Mexico was back in the box down Tim Ream's side. They got in again a couple of minutes later um, and that was all before McKenzie's bad giveaway. So it wasn't like, oh, we we now like got our foot in the game and we're we're gonna hold on for things. It was still like one way traffic as far as possession yeah, goes. That's true. Uh, they 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 were picking on Reem down that like just dumping it into that corner and having somebody run onto it. And um, Tecatito was was uh, olaying Yedlin and McKenzie a little bit down the left wing. I will say we do have to say though that despite the picking on Reem and the and Tecatito having some joy down the left, there, like you said earlier, there weren't there were no guilt edged chances for Mexico in this span. You know, I mean, there was control of the game, but they weren't, you know, they weren't racking up xG. Yep, that's exactly what it was. It was very it was very good bending but not breaking, and a little bit of you know maybe Mexico letting letting us off the hook a little. Uh, with not fully exploiting what what maybe the the Reem Brooks pairing on that left side was giving mm-hmm. them, the, but maybe not. Maybe I'm underselling. Maybe I'm underselling how good those two were doing at at you know hitting their peak defensive abilities. I mean, I think if you went to the scuffed corollary, you know, the L tree corollary of the scuffed podcast, which I don't know if there's one like us that exists, uh, they would be like. Why is Tata starting Ariel Antuna? Like it doesn't make any sense because he's just not the player that Linez is, or or even like Rodolfo Pizarro, who who didn't even get into this game. Is he was he even in this camp? I don't know. No, he didn't get he didn't make this roster. But that that's interesting about the the Mexican scuffed uh, equivalent because we would be complaining about the same things. We'd be complaining that Tim Ream is going to be too easily uh, dusted, and then they're going to be saying Linez should be in here dusting Ream, and then that's. You know exactly <laughs> right. what happened. So the 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 Mexican equivalent equivalent of scuffed won out in this case. 
35th minute, bit of a chance for the U.S. McKenney wins it in the press and slips Reyna down the line, and he beats his guy just enough and blasts the ball across the face of goal. Sargent is kind of making the back post run, but not fast enough to get to it. Uh, what's what's going wrong at this point in the game, do you think? I mean, that I just described a chance where I think maybe Sargent could have been a little more decisive, but I'm not I'm not sure about that. What do you think what do you think is going wrong here? One, I think I think when we get the ball into those spots, and I thought this about the Honduras game too, and I thought Legit maybe was one of the worst offenders. Uh, but we'd get the ball into those sort of dangerous spots wide of the eighteen, and that's where Reina got it. And then we would deliver a non dangerous ball in, a ball into like a not even dangerous situation. It's not a good number situation. Um, so you're you're hitting this sort of hopeful ball when really maybe you still need to soccer for a little bit longer. Um, and Reina's capable of that. I mean, Reina is not a guy who, oh, well, he's definitely not going to beat a guy 1v1, so let's just have him whip the ball into the mixer and see what happens. Like, you might want to see him actually take that defender on and and beat that guy. It's worth the risk of losing the ball because if he does, the next man comes over, and then it's a square for a tap in. So, um I mean that wasn't it because we didn't we didn't even get into those situations too often. It it just looked all a little fr- frantic and we never really looked all that calm on the ball uh, once once we crossed midfield. That's probably an oversimplification. What what did you what did you think? I I thought like I said I thought Acosta really grew into the game and played pretty well, but he could connect a pass, like I said earlier to McKenney or Pulisic, sometimes even Pulisic or Dest. And then they would just, they were just wasteful. They were just wasteful in the first half, just sloppy. And um, I mean, we saw the same thing a little bit against Honduras when everybody was playing hero ball in the second half. But this didn't feel like hero ball. It just felt like we weren't quite, I mean, Mexico was just a little tougher in those like cage matches and we, we kept losing the ball and we couldn't build any rhythm. I mean, I, that's my that's my read on it. So I guess I wonder if there's a more like you know sophisticated tactical explanation. Well, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to see the pattern in the autopsy to see how all of our possessions were ending. Because when you line up your possessions over and over, it's easier to sort of get that rather than watching the game in real time where our our turnovers are broken up by long spells of Mexico possession. Uh, but I, I think you might be onto something there, where we were just trying to drive the ball forward and we ran into a lot of cul-de-sacs uh it didn't didn't pick the right option didn't have the right options to keep going forward but uh you know just forced to force the round peg into the yeah. square hole i think sergeant also sergeant also was not not as clean as he should have been in this game so when he did get chances with the ball at his feet it, it like he would make a pass that 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 was awkward or he would get a ball to his feet and not have his body shaped the right way and not be able to receive it that happened at least twice. One on a really nice pass from Acosta uh, in the first half. In, in Mexico, Mexico are, are again they're they're good players. These are really good players we're playing against. Uh, something I noticed earlier, I forgot to comment on. It. I think it was in like the third minute. Uh, was when Sergeant did get kind of played free in, um, where he took that shot where he was falling down. Uh, Pulisic was making his run that you know he'd make for for the square, and as he was trying to get into the box, the Mexico player who was who was near near him just sort of like threw a hip into him and just bumps him off of his run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's stuff that you might not pick up on and, because you're paying attention to Sargent and what he's about to do. But that's why some of these open passes don't develop is because Mexico aren't 
you know, Trinidad and Tobago, where we're, where we just have free reign to do whatever we want and everyone can be where they want, when they want to be there. And we can always find this open pass uh, and look really good. Uh, it's not that easy. Like Mexico is going to be like, no, you don't get to go where you want to go. I'm going to knock you off. And the timing's now off by a fraction of a second. And that's all that you need to do to disrupt uh, players at this level. So, you know, that, that probably plays into it too, is we're just playing a good opponent and there isn't a scenario where we are just going to like routinely or reliably carve Mexico up. Yeah, I did notice a, this is a slightly different type of example, but I didn't notice. I think it was McKinney with the ball, maybe on the edge of zone 14, driving at the goal, and he tries to play a through ball to Pulisic. I think it was Pulisic. It might have been Sargent. And, um, and Moreno just like reads it and cuts it out. You know, when you, when a, when a lesser center back, might not have read that might have just been sort of passed through. So I think that's, that's a good point. Um, 43rd minute Lozano gets Lozano gets his big chance. Uh, chipped in behind by Charlie Rodriguez. I think Lozano was offside. Uh, I, I looked at it pretty closely, but it was close and it wasn't flagged and he is one V one with Stefan and he makes a big save. Stefan does got huge and came out decisively I the the Deudien broadcast actually didn't show a replay of this because other things were happening, but that's just too easy for uh, us to give uh, too too big of a chance for us to give up so easily, and um, we're giving up a lot of those. We've been giving up a lot of those in the last three games, so that's a that's a concern. Yeah, and again, that's a new one because we weren't giving those chances up uh, earlier in the year, and again, we're playing worse teams. But even even through twenty nineteen. Uh, which would make sense. We were playing more of that mid-block uh, where no nobody was really just getting in behind us for free. And now we've seen Honduras do it and Mexico yeah. do it uh, successively. Ensuing corner kick, Herrera gets a free header from the penalty marker and sprays it wide. Okay, that brings us to halftime. Before we get into the second half, two little plugs. Check out our Patreon and think about subscribing there. It's the best way to support this podcast, and many of you already do that, and we thank you. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Also, number two, please check out Scuffed News on YouTube and subscribe there if you can. That's my other endeavor. Greg's not uh, not involved, so he's not guilty of any of that. Um, it's not soccer-related, but I think it's worthwhile, and I do really believe if people check it out, they'll agree with me. I'll put links to that in the show notes as well. To the chronology for the second half. Uh, second half was great. Uh, like The opening of it, at least, Felt like maybe we were starting to get a foothold in the game, and it could just be variants that we put together a few good possessions in a row. Uh, but I, I'm not exactly sure what was different because we didn't make any changes to start the second half. Um, and and it honestly just looked like a little bit more composure. Uh, you know, in, as much as you can boil things down to that, it was like, hey, like guys, just relax on the ball, pick your head up, and identify the next pass that you can complete and make that pass. Uh, and we put a couple of decent sequences together. Yeah. And just and move in, move for your teammates. Move off the ball, get into the middle of that polygon, like you like you said it last week, and uh, and and open yourself up for a pass. If we have people moving around a lot more, I think that would that would help this whole project move forward. You know, just just since you mentioned that, I do think some, one thing I did actually notice was McKenny dropping a little bit deeper to collect the ball, and I thought the deeper he dropped uh, to sort of have his starting position be the more effective he was overall in the game uh, yeah. in, in possession, at least. So um, that might, that might've been a, a specific instruction or it might've just been McKenney sort of finding better pockets. 
can you say double pivot? <laughs> Tri- we're, it, I still want us to stick with the triple pivot. Let's not move off of the triple pivot. Okay. All right. Um, so the 48th minute, an example of some good play from us was uh, some buildup from left to right. Dest to Sargent. Dest plays it into Sargent in the middle of the field, and Sargent quickly one-touches it to McKenney, and then McKenney sprays it wide to Reyna. Reyna's cross uh, finds nobody, but at least we're you know putting passes together. And then um, 49th minute, a yellow for Acosta, instigated by Moreno and Gallardo and other L3 players reacting to a, what I thought was a pretty benign shoulder-to-shoulder foul against uh, – against, I mean, I hate – I'm not a big ar- argue-with-the-refs-all-the-time kind of guy, and I don't think you are either, but it just seemed weird for him to get a yellow card for this foul on – it was a foul on Herrera. And um, so he's on yellow too now. Yeah, I, n- I never got a good like close up of it to see if there was anything besides shoulder. Like if you put a little bit of extra sharpened elbow into it, uh, or or whether there was a stomp or anything. Not that I'm saying there was, but the only the only look I got at it of it was from like way overhead. So I'm not sure if there was anything yellowish about it. Yeah, I think it was just late, and then they it was it was reacted to as if it was an insult against Hector Herrera's mother or something, you know. Um, I'm skipping ahead to 56th minute. A chance for Mexico. Dest mishandles a ball that falls to him. And this was, a, unfortunately, a pattern for him. Just really not on his game for the day. Uh, mishandles a f- ball that falls to him in our half. And Herrera strips him and plays Charlie Rodriguez. And Charlie has a curler from 20 yards that's just over the crossbar. And Dest is now about five minutes from being subbed off. Uh, 58th minute. Decent attack sprung by Acosta and McKenney, and we get a corner out of it. On the corner, it falls to Dest, and his shot flashes wide on the on the volley. And it looks like we're kind of back in. To me, it looked like we're kind of back in the game there for a little bit. Well, and that's what it looked like. That was a, that was a nice little sequence of Acosta with that cool little flick to Pulisic, I think. And Pulisic finds McKenney driving. McKenney gets his shot off, uh, and that's where Sargent can't quite do anything with the rebound. No, that one's later. That's. Nah. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. But we'll 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 get to it right here. Wea Wea came on for Dest and we moved Reem to left back and put Wea out wide. And then the sixty first minute's the one you were just talking about. Uh really lovely move up the middle of the field. It starts with McKenzie intercepting a pass and one touching it to McKenney. Like you said, McKenney turns and plays Reyna. And then Reyna takes a couple touches back to Acosta. Acosta with that clever one-touch pass to Pulisic that you just referenced, and Pulisic's off in the attacking half. He turns his guy, and he's going, and he makes plays a good pass to McKenney. McKenney cuts in at the top of the box and, sh- box and shoots. It's saved on the dive by Ochoa, and Sargent kind of biffs the rebound. I don't know that that was a real good chance for a goal for Sargent, but he didn't. However good of a chance it was, he, he didn't score. And... uh that's probably the best attacking move of the game from the U.S. Yeah, by far the best team move. That's what I had in my notes, too. 63rd minute, Stefan gets hurt on what looked like a non-contact knee tweak. Did you Have you heard any word on that? Nope, haven't seen anything about it, so uh, no idea what we're going to hear back on that. That's scary, that's scary for the no-contact thing when... You you see you see I'm not I'm not speculating but I just I'm saying you see ACLs done that way when there's no contact, uh, yeah. so the the range of injuries here could be 
significant. It could be a, you know, a tweak in a muscle or it could be something serious. He's trying to jump around and test his knee, you know, several minutes after he went down and I, and McKinney went over and kind of, I think sort of put his arm around him and I'm guessing told him, Hey, it's okay to come off. And, uh, and then McKinney carried the physios dop kit off the field for him. So this is a, this McKinney, like I said earlier, didn't have the cleanest first half, but he really started to emerge as like the big personality on the field for the U S in this game. And, um, this was this is one early example. Uh, he, re- he really stepped up in a lot of intangible, and it turns out tangible ways down the stretch. So Horvath on, uh, Jordan Sibachuk, Pifak is the name on the back of his jersey, jersey, comes on for Sargent, Luis Romo for Charlie Rodriguez, and Henry Martin for Martin for Tecatito. All of that happens around the Stefan inju- injury. I think it was starting to dawn on me here that uh, that Tim Ream now was playing true left back with very little protection. I think when mm-hmm. Dest was there, I think the idea was like, okay, he'll offer him more defensive protection. And it's not that Tim Weah wasn't working hard. Well, Weah, did Weah play on the right? He did. And, Re- and then Reina was hanging out on the left? Yes, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just felt it just felt like Ream was starting to be like, that, that's when you're like, oh man, we are in real, we are in real uh, risk-taking territory here. It felt uh, it felt dangerous immediately. I mean, Antuna worked Ream in the 70th minute, and Acosta covers well to make uh, Luis Romo's shot difficult. So Antuna just pushes the ball around Ream and runs around him the other side, and then he slips Luis Romo into the box, and Romo's shot is difficult thanks to Acosta's uh, resolute coverage. Yeah, I, I had that I had that noted too because uh, it was just something that stood out as a difference between what Acosta will give you in that spot and a Jackson Ewell, for example. Yeah, should we stop and just uh, like get into that a little bit? I mean, in my opinion, Acosta was a lot better than Jackson Ewell in this game. A lot better than Jackson Ewell was against Honduras. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was even particularly close. Uh, Acosta wasn't like a liability. He wasn't flawless. Uh, he had a couple of giveaways, but he wasn't like uh, hold your breath every time the ball went to him kind of a play. And he actually made quite a few incisive uh, passes that helped open things up for players. Not that we took advantage of those instances necessarily, but uh, you saw it. You were like, oh, that's something. Um, and then defensively, he just offers so much more bite, uh, so much more ground coverage. Um, and, you know, so much more. It's just such a better CONCACAF player for me. Like when we're getting into these street brawls, uh, I want Acosta. He belongs. Yeah. And I see people on Twitter saying Twitter saying that Acosta wasn't any good, and I'm like, what game were you watching? You know, I mean, he did have the port the poor touch on his first touch, and he had a couple other shaky moments, but I thought he was very good. Well, it's it's one of those things where if there's any player out there you don't like, especially in a game like this you are going to have a couple of clips minimum uh, that you could compile to be like, here's where he was, here, here's why he sucks. This guy sucks. He doesn't He doesn't belong here. But again, you could put one of those together for every player on the field in that game. Uh, Acosta has quite a few of the positive moments to, to more than balance those out. Yeah. I mean, I I was ready to, you know, swear fealty to Christian Pulisic after that penalty in, the, <laughs> in extra time. So I'm like... I'm a huge Christian Christian Pulisic fan, but 
Like if you wanted to make a low lights a highlight a low lights reel from this game, the Pulisic one's going to be way longer than the Acosta one. <laughs> you know, nobody's all touches video from this game is going to be very good, other than maybe Ethan Horvath. Yeah, Horvath would have a good one. Uh, the The thing about Twitter is you can't do an all touches video because it's only two hundred two minutes twenty seconds long. It's impossible. And I think if we had Sanjeev on here, you would tell us nobody nobody really wants to watch an all touches video. <laughs> Just us. Seventy um, first minute, we earn a corner on a big Horvath goal kick, and Pulisic just harassing for the ball all the way to the corner. On the ensuing corner, Pulisic plays a good ball and McKenny gets good contact and draws a big Achoa save. This is when I'm starting to think, like, we get a corner kick. We have a 50% chance of scoring a goal at this point. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Uh, Mexico was, like, zoning, right? They were setting up in a zone and just letting McKenny get a good running start and, and go up uncontested? I don't know. Is that what they were doing? Is that it, why he was so easy? I think so. And, and they didn't have anyone on the posts, which uh, I'm not necessarily opposed to that, but, like... If you're just letting, if you're just counting on Memo to cover the whole thing and, and giving McKenny any run, any runway he wants to get his header, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll just see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> that, I don't that's foreshadowing. That <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think they'll do that the next time we play. I I, I would assume not. Um, 70, 72nd minute, Burhalter gets in on the action. Check out Waki's video about this. He maybe tripped over some water bottles, but he did sort of challenge Nestor Araujo for the ball <laughs> on the sideline. I'm surprised he didn't get a card for that. Uh, anyway, kind of a funny moment. <laughs> and then I mean, similar, like pretty, I guess he's an old, you know, Burhalter's an old man and he looks awkward when he uh, does physical activities, but both throwing a ball or like running into Nestor Araujo. But it was funny. Uh, 75th minute blind ball from Reyna to Wea down the wing, just a big looping uh, cross field switch and Wea runs onto it. I thought his speed did was a positive factor here. Like he really, he stretched Mexico and created some threat in behind. This was a good example of that. I like how physical Wea was on enough occasions. I mean, he he's another guy who's not who's not going to be shying away from from Concacaf stuff. Uh, and I and again, I think that's something a positive we can take from this game, especially uh, is we have quite a few players uh, we can rely on to not be little brothered. And Tim Wea was not about to be little brothered in these games. Uh, in this game, um, and I think that's a bit of a stark contrast to say the other guy who could have come in for. For that spot, which would have been Brendan Aronson, who I don't think necessarily would have held up as well in in yeah. this in these conditions. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean the the intensity. I think the intensity of the game did take some players aback. Like I think McKenzie was taken aback. I I may be just projecting, but I feel like Dest was maybe taken a little aback by the intensity of the match. Just the speed with which Mexico would close on you when you had the ball, you know. Like, you had to get rid of it, or you had to, like, make a decisive action. Yeah, or in Desk's case, a couple of times, you had to be clever enough to be like, oh, they're coming, I don't have any other passes, so now my job is to stick my foot in between their foot and draw the foul. But mm-hmm. that's some punishment that you're going to take over over <laughs> these three-match windows. Yeah. He did take he did take a little punishment in that way. Um, 
So on the ensuing corner kick after Wea runs that ball down in the corner, uh, McKenzie gets his head on a on it, but that one troubles Ochoa less. So that's McKenzie with a Z in there, not McKinney. And then um, Tata Martino, who had been watching Ream struggle with Antuna, expertly subbed on Diego Linez in the 78th minute. Linez immediately works Ream right off the right off the bat when he comes on. Kind of a warning shot. Yeah, from hits, my perspective, hit like Meg's Ream in the box, and then Brooks comes over, and then Brooks has to do the don't foul him dance to like kind of <laughs> challenge, but also realize that he's about to. Uh, get done. So uh, I think Linez ends up poking it past Brooks to to uh, towards the Mexico player, but nothing comes of it. But it's yeah. it's definitely like is is that warning? He's so so tricky, just like explosive and silky at the same time. Uh, a lot of trouble, and gonna be a lot of trouble for the next ten years, I think. Seventy ninth minute, just over a minute after he came on, Linez scores. It starts with Herrera. Combining on the left, making a run down the line, receiving it and slipping it inside for Lozano as uh, Pifak gives chase. Chucky traverses the top of the box and then sprays it wide right for Linez, Linez, who is isolated with Tim Ream. And, uh, you know, he just takes a couple touches inside. He's just so tricky. You can't really, like, if you're Ream, you can't really do anything about it. And snipes it at the near post 2-1. Mexico right that that war with Ream was lost before it was fought like you knew what was happening there Uh, the only question was whether Acosta or McKenzie could get over in time to help Um, and to be honest they they both kind of did McKenzie was in the path of the shot and I believe it went through his legs do I have is that how you saw it I didn't see that it went through his legs but it was close to his legs all right so so in that scenario McKenzie's there to to take away the near post um, and I think Horvath probably is counting on that a little bit. And so, uh, again, like there are some blocking techniques here that defenders should be employing to help their goalkeeper out as much as possible. And so McKenzie needs to not give any passage through his body, if that's what happened. And that's what it looked like to me. So uh, so a little bit of that goes on on McKenzie for, for not standing up that shot. It's tough. Okay. I mean, these are bang-bang plays. If you If you shift your weight wrong just slightly at the wrong time, that stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm okay with uh, blaming the other guys a little bit because you know Reem is on an island out there. You got to help him out. Um, like everybody in everybody watching the game on television all over the country and all over Mexico knew the same thing, you know. And, and so. that's not to let let Reem off the hook. It's to say that you know that goal is on whoever decided to put Reem in that situation. <laughs> like that's honestly where I was thinking. I was like, oh well, like this was not this was not a, a surprise. And so a little bit. That's where you're thinking. Like this one's on Burhalter. 81st minute, the U.S. didn't wilt. We won a corner on a run down the wing from Wea and a cross that's mis- mishandled by Chaka Rodriguez. Uh, Reyna takes the corner, and it goes far post, and McKinney, there he is, just rises above Jesus Gallardo and powers it in past Ochoa at the far post. 2-2! And that's, I almost woke up. I did wake up my wife when that happened. <laughs> She was not happy about that. You know, it, it it felt like a nothing play, but that cross from Wea, like uh, his technique on that on that cross was was like eye popping, even in the moment, even before um, it. You know, Rodriguez horribly misplayed it under no pressure. Yeah, uh, 
but part of that no pressure, I'll, I'll backtrack even on that when I get to it. But but anyway, Weah's technique is it's like this bouncing ball. He didn't have any like really room to step into it, uh, and he just you know swivels his hips a little bit and just fires a ball across that doesn't miss uh, P Fox head by very much. So it was it was like a pretty dangerous situation. Um, but then yeah, the, as far as Rodriguez misplaying it, part of that is because of the intensity of the game, like where his head's down looking at the ball that he just collected. He's probably panicking just a little bit uh, or rushing just a little bit mm-hmm. because if there's someone coming and there's been somebody coming in this game, uh, you don't want to do a McKenzie right there. Yeah, he didn't He didn't know how close. Uh, was it Reyna still at that point? Uh, coming I'd up assume Reyna would have been on that side, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Reyna still had a, a play to make on the other end. Man, that was just really something. 2-2, and it felt like anything was possible at that point and it turned out anything was possible then Adams comes on for Reem Acosta moves to left back and Legette comes on for Reyna who was fading at that point after a decent showing including the opening goal and from this point forward I think the game turns into just uh, chaos you know just epic moment after epic moment no it totally was and and something that uh you know, my, my initial reaction when I saw Tyler Adams on the screen, because I didn't hear his name come on and they didn't show him entering. So suddenly the ball's out of bounds for a throw and it's just him over there to take it. And I was like, holy shit, that's Tyler Adams. And then he hasn't played in, in a month. He hasn't played for us in forever. But my actual initial reaction to that was like, oh, no, like, why did we take Kellen Acosta out of the game <laughs> for a guy who hasn't played in a month? Is this going to work? So I was actually really kind of like thrown by that. Uh, that sub when I first saw him, I was like, "This is quite the, quite the confidence we have in him being full strength to put him in a two-two game uh, for the last ten minutes plus extra time when Acosta had been doing well." And then I saw that Acosta was playing left back, and I was like, "Okay, of course, just like we planned it when we put this roster together, Kellen Acosta is playing left back for forty more minutes against Mexico in a final." It was a good sub, right? I mean that. That substitution made a lot of sense in the moment to me, um, and Adams looked good. I thought I thought Adams didn't look particularly rusty. He comes on and he immediately closes somebody down. I mean, he get he does foul Linez in a dangerous spot, but like who isn't going to foul Linez in a dangerous spot? He took care to foul him outside of the box before Linez could get in and force a, a much worse foul. Yeah, so maybe it was exactly what he intended to do. Um. Yeah, that 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 happens in the 90th minute. Mexico gets a chance from that. The free kick falls to Lozano, who cuts in from the left and has one from 25 yards. And this is when Horvath starts to flex his muscles. A pretty good save on on that shot. I don't know how good of a save was it. It's a that's a good save. Again, it's one where it's like uh, he should make it. Like he should make yeah. that save, but uh, you don't know. He's come into the game cold. He has. He's been scored on once. You, you're not sure where he's at, and so that's a that's that's a good moment for him. And then, I mean, Mexico is really bearing down on us, trying to get that last goal before the end of uh, regulation. And it's another big Mexico chance. Long kick from Ochoa. Now this is this is another little mark against McKenzie. I think um, catches our back line unawares. McKenzie isn't isn't like really tracking the ball's flight at all. And it, and the guy next to him, Edson Alvarez gets there first and steers a header right into the path of Henry Martin, who beats Brooks to it 
and smashes one on the half volley from about 14 yards and draws a what seemed to me like a more impressive save from Horvath than the last one. Oh yeah, this was definitely an escalation in Horvath's escalating saves. Uh, but this that that I'm I'm gonna maybe give McKenzie an out here. I'm not exactly sure because again, never saw the replay of Ochoa's long ball. But both Brooks and McKenzie seemed pretty convinced that that guy who uh, I think won the header uh, had been like well offside and just was walking back up to the uh, upfield to to mm. rejoin the play. Okay. Um, so they were both irate that the flag didn't go up on that. Okay. And actually, then eventually the flag did go up, right? Because even though Horvath saved it out, then it restarted with uh, with the offside. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay. All right. So justice was served. Justice was served across the board in this game. Uh, moments later, Herrera's driving at the goal, and he tries to get around Brooks with a long touch, and Brooks kind of leaves it for Horvath, who comes a little late, and Herrera goes, kind of studs up, kind of swings his foot at Horvath, as he's sliding for the ball, I don't. It doesn't come across to me as like super malicious, but uh, it was it was a yellow card foul, uh, and then uh, a big scrum ensues. You know, as the U.S. players come over to to protect their goalkeeper, McKenny Herrera grabs McKenny's throat. Now, this is the second time McKenny's throat has been grabbed by uh, an aging midfielder from the Mexico national team. The other one was Guardado two years ago almost like carbon copy images and um and Herrera doesn't get a card for it and you know he probably should have been sent off right then it was a lot going on there you know a lot of like a lot of action a lot of posturing I I enjoyed it that's great quite a lot I love it too And, and the thing about Mexico is uh I actually I don't know how other people feel about them I think they're actually an incredibly likable team yeah uh and so even when these scrums are going off like I don't. I don't really think anyone's getting dirty. Like no one was stomping. No one was trying to get it. It's all just like puffing your chest out, and so it's just a bunch of like pretty likable badasses from both teams uh, being intense. Yeah, I I think grabbing someone's neck is like across the line. I mean, even if it's brief, you shouldn't do that. And McKenny was pretty mad about it momentarily. But as as USMNT only pointed out on Twitter. Earlier, earlier today, he found a clip where, like, you know, McKenny's getting his neck grabbed and he's like yelling at everybody and he's really mad. And five minutes later, he's like sharing a water bottle with Edson Alvarez. You know, <laughs> they're like broing exactly. it up. That, at that's field, what I mean. So. I think it is a lot of posturing. No, I, I totally think it is. And, and it, again, I'm pretty. I feel pretty safe that McKenny isn't going to cross any lines in the scrum to do anything silly where he's going to get sent off. I think Mexico are taking some chances there because. Uh, again, in that if, if a ref sees a little differently and decides to, to be a little harsher, uh, then you're gone and you're playing down a man. So I, I think f- through Honduras and through this game, in these little uh, tussles, I think the U.S. has done a really good job of keeping their composure while still not backing down if, if, if we want to have like these measuring contests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Brooks was the hero in the Honduras game in that respect, and I think McKinney was the hero in this game. 96th minute, well into stoppage time. The game was paused for the anti-discrimination protocol because of the chant. And, uh, you know, that that caused a little bit of a delay, and then regulation ends. Somewhere in there, a dude ran behind Kate Abdo, Oguchi Onyewu, and Clint Dempsey on the CBS set and hurled himself over a railing with a security guard in hot pursuit. (laughs) Clint just wolf smiled at the whole thing. 
And um, I have no idea what the ratings were on this, but boy, it was television gold at this point in the night. I was just like, sports, amazing. <laughs> Honestly, there was like a, a WWF feel to, to a lot of the goings on. So uh, in extra time, uh, 94th minute, so four, you know, four minutes into extra time, Herrera just tries to murder Wea, studs up in a tackle and doesn't get a yellow, which would have necessitated a sending off considering he had, it was already on a yellow. Even the, broad, the broadcasters on uh, Univision were convinced that it should have been a yellow. Um, yeah, th- that's probably that's probably the the one non-likable moment, I suppose I'd say, from the from from Mexico in that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I love the way Hector Herrera plays soccer. I think he's like really fun to watch. But yeah, he should have been sent off. Ninety eighth minute. Good spell of possession for L3 in our half. Ends in a cross from Herrera to, I think, Moreno. Not sure. But his header doesn't trouble Horvath too much. There's a lot of little moments in here. Linez gets a little joy on a throw-in, but his cross is caught by Horvath Salcedo for Moreno, and Guardado comes on for Herrera, who was you know, kind of on thin ice at that point. <laughs> Turns out to be a key substitution, though. Yeah. Yes, it does. And then uh, Lozano cuts in and shoots right at Horvath. Mexico pretty much dominating extra time at this point. And it did have very much a feel of like the U.S. is hanging on for dear life, which I didn't mind at this point. You know, that's just that was just sort of the nature of the game. It was it was it was beyond the point where we could expect to have some sort of pretty game plan that was working out. Right. Again, and when you're talking like, oh, at this point, we've shifted Kellen Acosta to left back like it all felt very like patched together to just see us through. Uh, but I also did notice uh, that we had gone back. To, we At that point, once Adams came on, I think, we had resumed our sort of 4-3-3 symmetrically where we had our four backs and then we had our uh, sort of inverted triangle with Adams at the base and we had our sort of way up Pulisic, uh, P-Folk, front three. And so the shape that, uh, the shape that we were more used to was now in effect. It didn't, didn't necessarily look any better in possession. It's not like we somehow smooth things out and started controlling the ball. But I just noticed it was easy to see from overhead. Oh, our shape is back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought, you know, even though we gave up some chances, uh, this was also a bend, but don't break sort of period of the game where it seemed like we had a little more stability. We had, we did have more stability with Acosta at left back. Like he wasn't going to shut down Linez, but he wasn't going to get left for dead every two minutes, you know? Uh, 102nd minute, just very briefly, I'll mention that Wea took a shot on the volley and it definitely deflected off of Araujo's hand and out of bounds and no handball was called. It would have been outside of the box if it was. And more crucially to me, no corner was given because he, as we know, at this point we had, we were scoring a lot of goals on corners or getting a lot of chances on corners. Then comes another line as shot from outside the box, goes over the goal, but man, he looks so good. Like, why isn't he playing for Real Betis? Like, I have no idea. Uh, club form doesn't always translate to national team form. I guess so. And then Cannon comes on for Yedlin, who'd been cramping, I think. And that's the end of the first period of extra time. Do you want to, I've, I've, you know, the Bell's chronology has sort of been gotten a little monotonous on my end. <laughs> would you, would you take the 108th minute episode, please? 
<laughs> All right. Well, here we go. This I get the key the key moment of the game. Uh, the ball starts uh, from Acosta. Hits kind of a hopeful ball. It's cut out. Uh, falls to a jet in the center circle. He hits it first time to P Folk, uh, who sends it wide for Way on the break. And we've got we've got sort of things going. Um, Way hits it out wide to Cannon. Cannon squares it for Pulisic in the box. I actually thought Way like kind of slowed Cannon down too much. I mean, when when we had that momentum, but yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Cannon gets it into Pulisic's feet. Pulisic is surrounded by bodies, but Pulisic being Pulisic, nice through them a little bit. Uh, it looks like the danger is gone because he may have overcooked his touch and he can't quite knife through, um, but not so fast. Turns out he couldn't knife through because he was body blocked off by a defender and the referee goes to the video screen and gives us what I would say is a, a somewhat soft penalty. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I would never have called a penalty there and changed the course of the game that way if I were the ref, but you know. Don't hate they, it. They happen. Yeah. Uh, here's my question for you, and I don't. Again, we don't get too too much into debating these calls, but I'm just curious because they kept showing us one angle of it, or at least the, the feed I was watching just kept showing the one angle of it, like from the end line out of bounds, looking back at the field. That's the one I saw. Uh, yeah. Is that is that exactly what the ref is looking at too? Do you know? I thought they were basically like showing us the camera that the ref was looking at. I thought they were too, um, and I don't know how much control the ref has over what angle he gets to see. Hopefully he has some control. I mean, all I'm saying is if if that's the only angle he was looking at and he didn't look at any other angles, then it is actually insane that he would award a penalty just on that because there there could have been like a gap between Pulisic and defender and Pulisic just goes down anyway. Yeah. I don't even know. (laughs) Cameras are tricky. (laughs) Cameras are tricky. Was the foul called on Salcedo? I mean, I don't even know who the foul was on because I think it was Salcedo and was it Guardado involved there? I don't know. It, I it think it was whoever whoever essentially like could have been stepped in front of Pulisic. Uh, whichever guy stepped okay. in front of Pulisic and like showed his butt to him, and Pulisic just kind of fell down over his over his leg. I'm not. I'm not saying this is like Pulisic shouldn't do this, but that that's that's how I would read it as a foul. Okay. Well, that would have been Celsius anyway. <laughs> so, and that was I. I think probably the second best team attacking move of the game it didn't really result in a like a real chance but at least you know five guys strung five passes together and and we got a penalty out of it lo and behold and uh lots of other drama going on tata gets sent off for putting his arm around burhalter and the ref john pity who's from panama to look at the monitor and then Berhalter and Tata have a laugh about it with Hector Moreno as Tata's sent off. And and then Pity points to the, st- the spot in just absolutely dramatic fashion. And then Pulisic comes up to the spot and goes top bins. Best penalty I've ever seen him take. An emphatic finish. And he's off to celebrate in the corner with his shirt off. Boy, does he look good. Iconic photo out there from Christian de Marchena, I think is the guy. You've probably seen it. And then there's a shower of beer cups and bottles and even cans. And one wallops Reina on the head, and he needs medical attention. And um, again, man, so much drama. I hate to see fans throwing stuff. And I know everybody, it's like sort of obligatory to say, like, shame on them. That's a disgrace. Even Merritt Paulson came in on Twitter and said, if anybody ever does that in Portland, they're never coming back in this stadium again. But, like, it's kind of fun, you know. (laughs) 
stakes. Like there's stakes yeah. to this. Uh, it's like this game matters and people are pissed and like, what a story to tell, you know? What percentage of our listeners do you think have that photo as their, as their Twitter background by now? Uh, I'm going to say 10%. 10%. All right. I, I figured it'd be, I figured it's probably around there. It's a significant chunk. Yeah. Not insignificant. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm deliberately not going to put it as the background of my Twitter just because I know so many other people are doing it. I went with a more Instagram. anodyne, uh, just the boys lifting the trophy photo. Uh, I'll say I'll say this. I think I think the referee made a huge mistake in going that emphatic on this penalty because he didn't leave himself much room uh, to go bigger uh, for later in the game. <laughs> Poor strategy on his part. <laughs> really, really, yeah. really emptied the tank right there. <laughs> yeah, and you know some people were criticizing the ref for making himself the center of the center of attention. Um, I don't know enough about refereeing to to get into that, but it sure was fun. And then uh, Mexico is desperately chasing a goal. Remember, we're in the second period of extra time at this point. Uh, they get a corner kick, and the cross is headed. It looked like on frame by Luis Romo in the 119th minute, but it catches Mark McKenzie's arm. Again, I'm not sure this is a penalty or should be a penalty, but if you give the one to the U.S., you kind of have to give this one. And uh, and PD does after consulting the monitor. And it's Guardado versus Horvath and basically, well, it's not the final action of the game, but it's pretty close. Got to mention the gamesmanship here. Because <laughs> Acosta is following Guardado around, jawing at him inside the box. And then, you know, Linus kind of comes over to break that up. And then a little scrum ensues. And then Acosta and Brooks don't allow Linus to stand on the line, <laughs> the edge of the area. And Brooks boxes Linus way out. I mean, Linus is a small guy, as as is known. Um, and then Horvath saves Guardado's penalty. I, I think I, I might be uh, in the minority here, but I thought it was an outstanding save. And the reason is because uh, I mean it's not too close to the post. It's not it's not hit as close to the post as as you want to make it, you know unsavable. Um, but the key here is that Guardado smacked the shit out of it, like he hit that ball, and it wasn't that waist height that's super easy for goalkeepers to have as mm. like the natural height of their hands as they fall to the right in the time it takes for a penalty to reach the goal line, uh, it was low. Like, it was on the ground. Um, and so there's a tremendous amount of, like, coordination required for a keeper to uh, react and quickly get their hand there instead of just having their hands sort of extend out from their body. Uh, anyway, so uh, so I thought it was a much better save than maybe people were giving it credit for. I mean, everyone was loving it because of the drama of the, of the moment and what it meant. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily, like, a bad penalty pandemonium on the u.s bench uh somebody on twitter asked me to asked us to do some body language uh analysis of Serginio dest and Yunus musa i would say musa musa's body language has been fantastic throughout my analysis is that he is uh he was you know he, he's, he's got a picture on instagram of him with the trophy between his legs kind of like michael jordan in the corner after his first championship Michael Jordan, the basketball player, I'm talking about. Ah, uh, uh, of course. I know this makes you a little comfor- uncomfortable, Greg, but I did notice that Des, you know, when it was a little time after the save by Horvath, but everybody else is jumping around, yelling at each other, and Des is sitting on the bench. Sergeant's kind of peak, kind of standing up and like kind of looking around, like what's going on, and uh, Dest is just sitting on the bench. So that's my that's my b- body language analysis. 
Not a great game for Des. Go ahead. Just for anyone who anyone who's listening who wants to read into it, uh, this would have been like the penalty was saved, and then the play continued, and the ball got knocked around for a while, and then ended up back in the box, and Horvath collected again and collapsed as goalkeepers do when they're preserving a lead in extra time, uh, and all, a bunch of the American defenders like raced up to him and are you know doing the the necessary shouting. Um, and then it cuts to the bench, the U.S. bench, and that's when all of our players are really celebrating because the, the sequence is over. We're five minutes in extra time, and Dest is sitting on the bench not doing that. But it is like 30 seconds removed, so we don't know. For all we know, he was on his feet for the penalty and then collapses back down because he's exhausted from all of the running he's done the past three matches at altitude. Fair enough. On short rest. Fair enough. Appreciate your um, your clinical nature. Greg five minutes of stoppage time after that total amount of time on the pitch. Like I said, it was 144 minutes and in the 127th minute nominally we get a pitch invader, some yokel in white athletic shorts and a black athletic shirt. McKenney stepped in to prevent extra law enforcement brutality. I hear from someone in the stadium. So you could see him running toward the dog pile on the broadcast before it cut away. But somebody told me that McKinney kind of stepped in and got the security guards to like chill out with the guy a little bit because they were being a little rough on him. So another, yet another reason to celebrate Weston McKinney. Um, <laughs> I mean, not a, not that we're excusing pitch invasions, just some like dork running around on the field, you know, <laughs> he's not trying to hurt anybody. Was there any confirmation? Was it the same guy who jumped over the, the railing? Behind Dempsey and company. Ooh. Has anyone matched the clothes up? I hadn't even thought of that. What, a, what kind of detective am I? Probably might be the same guy. Who knows? Um, and then in the 129th minute, as we're like wasting time down in the corner, Pulisic got the ball. He's just like forcing throw in after throw in. He gets fouled maybe and, you know, kind of makes a meal out of it, which I totally support pretending that he's more hurt than he is. And there's just another barrage of projectiles from the stands. Um, and this time, uh, one of them hits an L3 player, Henry Martin, just like square on the head. Again, not excusing that, that kind of behavior at all, but the drama was pretty rich. Feel bad for the, for the players, but this is spectacular content. Yeah. And then uh, a couple more throw-ins and the final whistle, and it's a dog pile on Ethan. Go go USA! <laughs> it was that was that was a, it, like I said, man. That was a ride. Before we get out of here, let's just try to put a bow on this. Um, I said already that you know how valuable I think these games are, and I'm obviously not the only one saying that for this team to coalesce. But and so that's awesome, and it's awesome that they fought back into this game a couple of times even though they even though several players didn't have their best game several of our players that we d- sort of would like to think are our best players didn't play their best we went down early we came back and we came back again and then we took the lead in extra time despite i think not getting the better of mexico mexico had the better of the of the game so that's all great but i had this date circled because i thought it would be a chance for us to play out of the out of the back through Mexico's press. And like, this was going to be the litmus test on the Burhalter project. How did, how did the litmus test go? Uh, I, I think we would have to say that it was a no contest. We didn't, we didn't actually contest that question. Uh, he abdicated. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's kind of how it felt. I don't know if, 
if the players would agree, if Berhalter would agree, uh, I don't think they were necessarily like, directed to just launch it long out of pressure. So maybe that's maybe that's not true. Maybe maybe this probably does go down as like a C minus D plus. That it, from the possession side of things, uh, we're not there. We're not particularly close. Based on this evidence, we we were were are we any better in this game than we were in the 2019 friendly trying to play through them? Hmm. Maybe a little better. Or is it just a talent edge that allows you to like 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 in the first half of this 19th minute when Serginho Dest can take it against four guys and just dribble through them? Well, I mean, that's going to be part of us being able to play through a press is like having more talent. You know, I mean, you need to have talented players to play through a press. And I don't think like a player like DeAndre Yedlin, who who I did appreciate some of his defensive work in this game. He is not the kind of fullback that is going to play through a press. I mean, it's just, it's not even close. It's not his game. Um, So I don't know how, you know, how we expect to do that with a player like Yedlin. And then I think McKenzie can do it, but McKenzie understandably took a little, a big hit to his confidence early in the game. And I don't think he was, you know, he wasn't at the top of his game for, I mean, he, he, he fought back. He, he got back in the game. He, he did some good things, but he did some bad things too. I don't, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not ready to, to say where we are on it. This was not a, uh, certainly not like a, uh, passing with flying colors uh and i am i am very interested actually i'm I'm probably the only one interested in actually like looking at all of the possessions sort of side by side and like clocking them and being like okay we held the ball for four seconds this time six seconds and, I, and i'm curious how many times we held the ball for more than 10 or 11 seconds it doesn't seem like there were that many of those occasions and i do want to find what the common thread was for why they kept getting broken down so quickly because it wasn't like, oh, it broke down because we had an opening and took a risk and went for it the way like a Red Bull Salzburg does where their possessions are short because they're emphatic about getting the ball towards the box. It definitely didn't feel like that was necessarily the case. Um, so I, I do want to see whether it's technical breakdowns, whether there just aren't enough options for our players. But I was, quite quite frankly, I wasn't able to really be doing that during that game because of the total adrenaline of the of the whole process yeah it was hard to it was hard to be clinical while we were watching that game and i guess that's the you know that's the big takeaway is that it was just just really fun to win a game against mexico but um it does seem like burhalter's tactics are still just a massive unproven theorem for me the the back three was not particularly effective and i can't shake the feeling and i know i'm not the only one that we're just overthinking and overcomplicating things um with a player pool that that is talented and like we're it's just getting i don't know i don't i don't see what advantage we're getting from this intricacy that we're supposedly trying to implement we just end up you know why not just do it something more simple and see what happens because basically what's happening now is we're in this more intricate system and we're just ending up seeing what happens you know it's uh, and we've given up a lot of big chances that were too easy in the past three matches, like we talked about earlier. So, so for you, is the is the intricacy too much on the possession side, or do you think the intricacy that is too much of like we're we're committing too many players on a on a press and defense, and that's leaving us open, uh, and teams are just getting in behind us too easily? 
do you, would you rather go back to more more full like Ben don't break defending? Yeah, maybe. And I, I guess the intricacy uh, against Honduras is having those eights up so high and then not allowing or not utilizing McKinney further back on the pitch and letting him do what he's best at. Instead of that, we're, we're asking him to be like a false nine or something in possession. And um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It just seems like you're shoehorning him into into a system that isn't really built for like one of our best players, you know, in that case. And then against against Mexico, it wasn't so much intricacy as it was. We went to this three at the back and then we had two, two only two midfielders and we couldn't really build out. I want to see, I want three midfielders. I want to win physical battles in the midfield. Let's just focus on that and <laughs> see what happens from that. So you want the Wales, the Wales midfield, right? You want, you want to have Adams in there, obviously. We always want to have Adams in there. But even if you can't, you want somebody else in there with two other like ball winners who are going to like take the game and take like control the game and not let other teams uh, have their way with the soccer ball. Yeah, I I think it, it, it's the first choice is for me is Adams, McKenney, and Musa. Second choice would probably be Acosta, McKenney, and Musa, or like and Legette's I think serviceable in one of those roles. But then then you if you can't just win individual battles and get the ball and keep it, nothing else you're trying to do works, you know? You just you just uh you're just losing the ball. You're like Jackson Ewell is losing you know Jackson Ewell has all this like this profile that Berhalter wants out of that six, but if he takes a touch and he gets blown up every third time he touches the ball, none of it matters. You just you're just losing the ball. You can't do all this other stuff, and that's why I think that's why I think Moose has got to be in there at some point. I guess it's still to come out like what happened with him in this camp, but <laughs> but like he right if he if he starts against Costa Rica if he if Musa starts against Costa Rica what does that do I mean that tells you he was healthy so it's this is just a coach's choice or is, are you worried about like uh, dual national eligibilities that he wanted to preserve. I don't. Or do you just think Berhalter didn't think he was the right guy to get the result? It sounds like Berhalter didn't think he was the right guy to get the result. I mean, based on the quotes. And and that, to me, sort of indicates like sort of a system over personnel sort of mindset, I guess. Where you, whereas if you had Musa, okay, maybe he can't disguise his passes in the exact way Jackson Ewell can. Or maybe he doesn't. You know, he can't spray the ball around the way Kellen Acosta can. I'm totally willing to admit that. But, like, he wins battles with other soccer players on the field. <laughs> and then he finds somebody's feet, and then we can do stuff. But if we or can't... He carries the ball, or he carries the ball 25 yards and then finds someone's feet. Right. And he's not going to score a lot. He's probably not going to score a lot of goals. He's probably not going to um, get a lot of assists. But everything else you're trying to do on the field is predicated on your ability to get the ball and keep it. And that's, I guess that's, that's what I'm talking about when I say it's, it seems to, to, to borrow a word from you. It just seems a little too cute. Yeah. And, and for, for, so for me, Jackson Ewell sort of symbolizes that, that too cute, that like Berhalter getting cute with his call-ups and being like, Oh, this is totally going to work. It's exactly what we need to unlock things when, you know, maybe maybe we'd be better off just looking at the actual uh, effectiveness of the players. 
and and not trying to sort of overvalue one particular trait. I think that's that's sort of been the rub since since he's took over with Bradley and with Trap and now with Ewell is that the overemphasis on this trait that he thinks they have and can execute it at a high enough level to make an impact in national team games. And for all three of them, we haven't seen that. And all three of them come with incredible like limitations in other areas of the field. Uh, so I, I guess what I would push back on is I don't necessarily think that his system is too intricate. I think he's had a weird uh, obsession with this particular trait and... It's not even required for the system because the system can function with Adams and Musa and McKenney in the midfield. We saw that happen f- fairly well against Wales. So you don't have to have that trait in in the uh, quantity that Berhalter seems to think that some of these players have it. Uh, so yeah. if Adams can't go, if Adams can't go, you can find another player who can play a roughly similar version, an Adams light version, rather than going to the total opposite end of the spectrum uh, for his backup. But I, I don't think the system itself is necessarily too intricate. I don't think uh, the rotations and the way we play is. Uh, so I'm I'm fine with maintaining that. I just think we need to not put in a player who offers so little uh, on the ball-winning side. I think you can have a little bit of both of those worlds. I don't think it has to be the extreme. Yeah. Yeah, intricate is probably not the right word, and I, I, uh, I'll accept that. I just think when it comes to, comes to a game like this, What's stopping us from my point of view is not that we have the wrong system or whatever. It's that Hector Herrera is taking the ball away from our players and we don't have players outside of like, I I would say Reyna is the exception to this because he's really tough in the, in a cage match, but like, we don't have, we don't have a lot of players who are just gonna say, no, you're not going to take the ball from me, you know, or you're not going to win this ball. I mean, Moose is one of those players, and um, and I mean Acosta and Acosta and McKenny have plenty of bite, but it's not like their absolute strong suit. But it is Moose's. I think it's Moose's strong suit, at least when we've seen him for the U.S. And so, like, you got all these things going on. You got fifty thousand fans screaming, hostile fans, and you have like a, the most intense game that you've played in all year. And for some of these guys, I think it probably was the most intense game they've played of their career in terms of just emotion and and the moment. And you're just not, you're just operating on instinct, you know, like what, like get the ball, protect the ball, find somebody's feet. If you're a plus plus player, get the ball, protect the ball, make an incisive pass. It's all just happening really fast. And I guess the intricacy is that I'm thinking of is the intricacy to, is the sense in which it's like intricate or cute to say, well, we need this kind of player in this role to do this. And I guess I'm sort of just repeating the point that you made in a much more long-winded way. Well, here, here's a question that I'll put to you then. Do you think Jackson Ewell uh, plays in the next tough... Com- do you think he plays again for the national team in the September window? Do you think Ewell's in that camp? I don't know. I It's a toss-up for me. Like, does, does Berhalter watch the game the same way we do and say, like, he's not progressing the ball with his passing like he did like against Honduras and he's also a bit of a de- defensive liability so we can't bring him in in September like do you think that's how he he reacts to that 
I think that's why he wasn't in that game against Mexico. I don't. I don't think that it was inevitable that Kellen. Maybe it was. Maybe Berhalter going into the window into this was like, if we get to the final and we're playing Mexico, I'm going to run with Acosta because he's going to give us more protection and we'll need that protection against Mexico. Um, but I'd say that what you saw was even against Honduras, Ewell doesn't offer the, that kind of protection. So if that's the mindset of, uh, you know, recognizing that he is limited, I think what we found out was those limitations extend beyond just Mexico. It's not just in those games that he's going to be a liability. It'll be in other games as well. And so, I don't know, man. I, I could see him getting into camp because I don't think Berhalter is a guy who likes to just cut people out uh, almost as like a, uh, a relationship maintenance thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't necessarily expect you will to, to see the field in the September windows. I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised. And, unless it's the tail end of a, of a game that we're thrashing the... I don't know who our opponents are, but... Um, one of the opponents is going to be one of the play-in games. So if we're playing El Salvador and we're up up 3-0 with 10 minutes left, maybe Jackson Ewell gets on the field. Yeah, I I guess the pragmatic reason to to keep him in the fold is what if Acosta and Adams are both hurt, you know? And then then what? He's still not the guy though, right? Well, then the then the list of guys gets starts to get shorter. I'm I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Is it worthwhile to like 86 somebody from the program completely because they don't they're not up to snuff? Or do you just kind of keep them around so that sort of break in case of emergency, you know? Yeah, so I guess what I would say is I think what what and it's one game and maybe maybe he was way off against Honduras and and he'd have more to offer in another game, but I think for Jackson Ewell like he has to be that player or that that you know incisive passer, uh, and he has to show that he's not going to be a total liability defensively. And the fact that he did wasn't incisive and was a huge liability, I think for me, that's almost enough that he does fall off the depth chart. Like he basically doesn't exist. And and uh, Kellen Acosta, who doesn't play the six at all, uh, becomes your next your next man up. And if Acosta can't go. Then Eric Williamson's your next man up, or James Sands is your next man up, and you get somebody who at least is going to uh, provide the cover against CONCACAF opponents uh, that won't leave you totally exposed. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't have a strong, I don't have a strong objection to him being sent away, to him, from him, from him, <laughs> for him being ex- exiled, He's exiled, but. Uh, um, I don't know. He, he is familiar with the system. Like, could we use him in a in one of the three games and in one of these World quali- World Cup qualifier windows? Uh, I think probably yes. It would. It we could we could use him without, you know, falling on our sword for that. But we'll see. You know, I wouldn't. It'll be really interesting to see what the Gold Cup roster looks like. It'll be interesting to see who plays against Costa Rica on Wednesday. We'll see. In in the meantime, let's just be like super excited about what happened last night because that was awesome. That was brilliant. Celebration continues. Yep. The Costa Rica game is going to be a, just a nonstop celebration. I don't care. I don't care if we're getting pants left and right. Like you can't take that Mexico win away. Everyone knows this is just the friendly. Yeah. Who are we going to see? DK start against Costa Rica, probably. I'm not banking on it, but again, I've been wrong on almost all these rotations that I was thinking we'd be making. Uh, I think it would be harsh on Sibichu 
to not start him in this game. If he's your if he's your number two guy, if you have him rated second out of the three, uh, and he didn't get that many minutes uh, in the first three games, uh, this could be his start, and DK gets the the last twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I won't be, I won't be mad either way because I want to see more of I want to see more of both of them. I'd like to see DK and Musa hopefully, and it'd be cool to see uh, a little Brian Brian Reynolds start at right back. But hey, be honest, you were actually the, the for a lot of this Mexico game. I know you were thinking about Musa a lot. Were you also like, man, D- Daryl DK wouldn't be out of place in this contest? Yeah, you know, I didn't even vocalize that anywhere or type it anywhere. But yes, I was thinking that like, um, why not just? I mean, if we're gonna be launching it forward anyways, which we were doing a lot of, why not have a big guy up there who can who can trouble those center backs? Because because Sergeant wasn't doing that. Yeah, that, that that whole striker situation probably deserves more thought and conversation, but not today. Uh, today we feast. Yeah. Anything else, Greg, from you? No, let's pick it up. Let's pick it up after Costa Rica, and we'll probably just end up talking more about this Mexico. <laughs> yeah, get on. Get in the video room. Let's see what. Let's uh, see what you come up with when it when it comes to. Um, you know the patterns of play and how how the play broke down. I'm very interested in that research. All right, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you. <laughs>